1: Celebrate
2: twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty five days a year. This is a pack a day podcast.
3: Once again, everybody, welcome to another episode of the pack a Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Willett. I'm joined by Gage, Brid- Gage Bridgeford and Matt Fralick on this Sunday. As guys, rookies have reported, it, there's been a few that have been trial players. It's becoming real. This season is right around the corner as we approach the summer.
4: It's way too real. Like I was like amped for the schedule to come out, and then all of a sudden I was just I was caught with my pants down that the rookies were they're practicing. Like I was like, okay, let's go, like let's let's get into it. And we're seeing all these guys in their jerseys. Like now it was it was awesome. A lot of, couple tryouts on uh, on Friday too. That was that was cool to see. Gage, uh, you what, what's your roster looking like right now? What are you what are you thinking?
5: Uh, my roster right now is looking it's very chalky. I think that there's That's a true. lot of like. A lot of the top draft picks are the ones we're going to expect to make the roster, but I'm not expecting a ton of surprise cuts or roster makes. But then again, Green Bay always comes out of left field with one or another, such as the the Jordy release uh, during free agency. We had the Josh Sitton uh, releasing. uh, There's always going to be one big one, and I have no idea who it's going to be this year. But I also like you, Matt. I'm surprised at how we're getting to this point in the year already. Like it's May. I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and we were talking about like UFC fights and which ones coming up. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna get the June and July ones. I was like, Oh, okay, okay. And I'm th- and I'm like, Oh, that's next month. June is next month already. <laughs> I was like, How are we already here? So this whole thing where the NFL dominates the schedule, the calendar year round, is so real, especially when you cover it. Like, the NFL is constantly going. Something is constantly happening.
3: For sure. I mean, they were, they were replacing Habib's belt this weekend, so that's going to be a fun thing when you talk about the fights. But I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought up the the roster because that's our topic for the day. Each of us has come up with a guy who we think will be a surprise cut during training camp, someone who needs to be cut from the roster by the end of training camp and will be as positive as we can and a someone who we think could be a surprise person to make the roster by the by by the time they head down to New Orleans to take on the fighting Taysom Hills. Also known as slightly younger Tebow. But first, before we do that, a uh, quick reminder to everyone, to go to your favorite podcast platform, let us know, give us a five-star review, a subscription, let us know how we're doing. Uh, we really do appreciate it, and it helps us continue to make episodes every single day for you guys here on the Pack day podcast. So that being said, let's jump right in, and let's start with our surprise cuts. And there's three fairly big names that we're going to talk about in the next few minutes. And... Matt, we're going to talk about yours first. We're going to go to the secondary. Let's do it. Uh, we're going to, we're going to go to Josh Jackson.
4: Yeah, Josh Jackson's my surprise cut. And I know Gage and I were talking before the broadcast, and I think Michael probably agree with us. Like, when he was drafted out of Iowa, I was super pumped. Like, there's – you know, I have a, I have a I don't know, I have a laundry list of names when it goes into a draft, but Josh Jackson was on that smaller list I usually like to come up with, and it was good value. Um, but unfortunately – Um, Gage will point this out. Mike Pettin kind of ruined Josh Jackson, and Josh Jackson's really never found a spot on this defense. Um, I think with some of the guys they brought back, with Kevin King, kind of Chandon Sullivan maybe possibly taking a little bit of Josh Jackson's PT, Eric Stokes being drafted, they also drafted the, the Appalachian State kid, so like... I just don't know if Josh Jackson fits the mold for what they're trying to do with this defense. However, his one saving grace could be if Joe Barry has a sweet spot for him and think he can can find a position that he can play. Um, That could be a potential for him. But Josh Jackson, to me, is a guy that – it's surprising because I think everyone's been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to break out. The Tampa Bay Bucks game in the regular season, he played fairly well. He had a couple hiccups, but overall, um, on short notice, was able to come in and play against the Super Bowl winning champion uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. But really, at the end of the day, Josh Jackson, he's kind of kind of cut your losses a little bit, and he's. I don't think he's going to make the roster, um, but. It sucks to see him go, but you know, there, there. I think there's better talent on this team that they're gonna have to make a case for to actually make the team.
5: Yeah, I uh, as as Matt said, I'm very disappointed. I love Josh Jackson coming out. I was a, I'm still, I'm still a fan of the talent that the player has, but. I saw Mike Pettin refuse to, and he did this to Kevin King as well, he refused to play the guy in a position that would set him up for success. Josh Jackson is a is not an off-corner. It's not what he does. Like, he is a little grabby. I'm not going to sit here and act like he has no faults, but I am going to sit here and say you, if you don't give him the absolute best chance to succeed by saying, hey, we know that this is what you do well. We're gonna let you go do that, and you don't have you don't get to play any other type of coverage. If we're gonna play off coverage or we're gonna play zone, we'll take you up the field. But if we're playing press man, and it's clear as day that that's what we're doing. You're gonna be on the field because that's the only way you're gonna be able to make it. Do do that. But instead, you just he has never got it together. And like you said, maybe maybe Joe Barry is going to find a niche role for him and be able to salvage him. I'm not, I'm not convinced at this point. And looking, when you said that that was your surprise cut, I was sad from the standpoint of the talent that the player has. But at the same time, I'm also acknowledging, hey, I haven't seen it yet. He hasn't put it mm-hmm. together yet. I can't I can't make a case for saying this is why he needs to stay on the roster at this stage because if there's other guys, especially now that they have Eric Stokes, Jean Charles... And Kevin King and Jair are still there. There's not a whole lot of roster spots available.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you both. I, I I was really really excited about Josh Jackson coming out of Iowa. I had watched him in in Iowa when I was living down in the state, and everyone remembers that Ohio State game with he had a three picks. He was he looked so exceptional there. He he was everywhere. But yeah, a combination of Mike Patton and confidence of Ingles Hurd and also getting injured his second season that really really I think set him back because he was not never able to really make that next step that, that, that crucial sophomore season but he's a guy where the preseason is going to be huge and with the three games Houston the Jets and Buffalo not going against the top flight receiving talent so he c- could look pretty good in those games and if, and if he can show under Joe Barry in camp that he's got, that he still got the ability that we know we, that we think he does. I think he could make it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a cut. And they start fresh at the position with now with Eric Stokes and Shamar and Charles, uh, Chandon Sullivan, who I almost put as one of my surprise cuts. I thought about Chandon because I, I figured they could maybe keep Jackson in and move to move on from Chandon. But there's there's a that position is gonna be a lot of fun to watch in camp and I would not be surprised if Jackson is cut, but also would be. A little bit saddened, like you guys have said. So let's say in defense and with my pick for the surprise cuts. Now what with Tyler Lancaster? I think with the drafting of T.J. Slayton, it's a guy who, who with his talent does what Lancaster does but better. Uh, with he's a lot more, I think he's a lot more explosive. He's just as strong. He's a lot bigger. With a three thirty. And and with my who my guy who I have as a surprise to make the roster, we'll talk about later. I think it makes Lancaster obsolete a little bit. He's not going to be playing third downs anyway. Plus, also when you factor in cap reasons, they need to make some room. They need to, especially if Brian Cunneytuts is still talking about making some more moves, maybe bringing in a, a veteran linebacker. Cutting Tyler Lancaster saves you one million dollars on the cap, one point oh four seven, and it's a two hundred thousand dollar cap penalty. That's fine if that if that's what needs to be done. Also for comparison, Josh Jackson would save you 1.3 million with a 657 thousand dollar dead money hit. That's according to over the cap. So with with Lancaster, I just I with Sladen and another couple of these young these other defensive linemen, I don't see a spot for him. I don't think he's going to do enough that that price tag is worth it and that Barry will keep him around. I, I think. I think he'll be prob- probably the biggest name released on Final Down Day.
4: Yeah, I don't think that's a bad take. And I've been, you know, I'm a huge defensive line, like get some pieces in there, get some pieces in there. But I think – as we transition into this new defensive era with Joe Barry, I think we're going to see some of those, quote-unquote, household names in that front seven leaving. And Tyler, Can- Tyler Lancaster is one of those casualties. Montrevious Adams was one of those casualties already. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Lancaster's gone. He's a good piece. He's a good role player. But there's been other guys that, that Mike has mentioned that are going to replace him. And it's, I think his, his time has, has passed.
1: Yeah,
5: and when you say like, I think we're going to see some of these household names leaving. Like that's that's who we're going to see going away. This is going to sound really negative, but I mean the front seven hasn't exactly been great, so it's not like they're it's not like they're cutting. Like it's not like Aaron Donald's getting cut. It's not like Prime Ryan Pickett. It's not like Kenny Clark's going away. You're mm. cutting guys that you're cut, You're trimming the fat. So, it's just how it goes. I mean, if you're not making plays and we bring in other guys who are cheaper and hypothetically give us a better better opportunity of success, that's who's going to make the roster. Lancaster's been fine, but I think you bring in Slayton. Uh, I, I still like Kingsley Kiki more than I like Lancaster, because he brings an athleticism standpoint. He brings more from an athleticism standpoint, mm-hmm. and you can always find big free agents available. They're always out there. You're never not going to have them. Um, and I'm sure that I'm sure that I could go check right now the free agency tracker to see who is available from a just like from a big standpoint. And I'm gonna find somebody that's worth picking up. Is, is Geno Atkins still a free agent?
4: Well, let me tell you. I so I first of all I didn't think Geno Atkins was gonna be a guy you were gonna throw out there. I was thinking more like.
5: No, 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 that's not a guy that they're bringing. I'm just, I'm looking he at a guys. Free, he,
4: no, 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 but he is a free agent, yeah.
5: Yeah, I'm just sitting here and I'm looking like, you can go find big guys that are available. Like, they're out there. So, that's. So I'm just sitting here thinking, you can find better options. You know, Atkins, Drew Casey, KK K- Short, Sheldon Richardson, Tyrone Crawford, Allen Bailey. There, there's guys available that they can go get. So, if you do cut Lancaster and you still need a veteran body, There are
3: options available. One other thing, also with Lancaster, he's only a few months younger than Dean Lowry, and they're both the oldest guys in that defensive line room. They're 26, which is weird that Dean Lowry is also only 26. But so, so he's already probably hit his ceiling as what he's what he's going to be. And 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 Kenny Clark is is the leader in that room anyway. So I just, it's a tough spot to see for me to see him making it with the cap that he has and with any substantial talent in front of them. So Gage will go to you with your okay, we're going offense and another high draft pick that hasn't quite panned out. A lot of this one has to do with health. But we'll see what Jay Sternberg can do this year.
5: Yeah, Jason Sternberg is a guy that uh, I was really excited for Green Bay to get in that um, what was it, 2019 draft class. Uh, I saw him as the, he was the third best tight end in that class for me behind um, Irv Smith or no, he was tied in four behind Irv Smith and um, T.J. Hawkinson. No fan. Mm-hmm. I knew Green Bay wasn't going to get Fanton Hawkinson. I was I was thinking if Irv Smith could slip a little, maybe they can get him in the second. He got drafted by Minnesota, so no big deal there. So I like getting Jay Sternberg in the third round, but like you said, he just hasn't quite put it all together. He's shown a couple of flashes here and there, but it just it just hasn't gotten put together. Plus, now with the addition of Robert Tunian, who is really who really broke out last year and I think has a really good connection with uh, Rodgers and is just a very consistent player. You already have Mercedes Lewis. You drafted Josiah DeWaar last year. You're not going to keep you're not going to keep like enough, that many, a ton of tight ends here. And we talked before we got started today that it's probably going to come down to Jay Sternberger and um, Dominique Daphne. And Dominique Daphne I think Daphne is. I would pick Jace over Daphne, but at the same time, Daphne was a consistent player when he was on the field at the end of the season last year.
3: Right.
5: Jace has been inconsistent when he's been out there. So at least while the ceiling may not be as high with Daphne, the floor is much higher. Mm-hmm. And I so I think that Jace is just a, another guy, kind of like Josh Jackson, where it's just it does it. The talent is there, but. It's just not looking like it's going to stick for him unfortunately, which is like like I said, the guy's really talented in terms of that, from an athleticism standpoint. he really can bring a lot to the table in that aspect of things, and I really thought that he could i really thought he could be that that scene threat that next that guy to really open up the offense and I just he hasn't been able to put it together
4: through uh heading into year three two things quick is the, my shitty stat is. The Jay Sternberger, if he would have came out the next year, he would have been the number one potentially tight end drafted. It's always a shitty stat I like to throw out there. It's just kind of who cares. Um, the other one is that, you know, if you think about what Aaron Rodgers talks about in the tight end room, he's always mentioning uh, obviously Big Dog. He always mentions Bobby Tanyan. And he frequently will mention um, Dominique Daphne. Uh, obviously, we know the, the the bromance that is Matt LaFleur and Josiah DeGuara you really never hear Jay Sternberger's name brought up too much. Um, And I just kind of think he could be one of those guys that is gone. It is sucks. It's probably the biggest name for me that we've mentioned that would be cut um, next to Josh Jackson because Jay Sternberger is a young dude. He's really had limited opportunities, and everyone else on that depth chart has really exceeded expectations. So, um, besides Deguar, obviously with his, his knee injury last year, so I think just I think, think Jace Sternberg is definitely more than likely on the chopping block
3: for sure, and, and that's definitely a big thing where it's gonna I think it's, it'll come down to him and Daphne, and if Jace can bring a little more on special teams, I think he's got an inside track because they're gonna use Deguar in that H back role that Daphne played late last year, and Mercedes can play that a little bit as well, and Sternberger has played it a little bit during his time in Green Bay. But I remember um, Matt. You're, I mean, you're in the, in the in the Bay Area right now. Were you any of those joint practices and when they played when they were, took on Houston?
4: Yeah. Well, I heard. So I remember that. Like his. I was. I was gonna try to mix that in, and I'm glad you brought that up. Like his first practice is the one where he got into that situation with um, Lonnie Johnson, and like it was just like it just seemed like a bad start right it just seemed like there was it was just it was just bad vibes from the beginning it wasn't anything jace did it was kind of a dirty hit from what everyone said from yeah well, there you go so it was just like and i think he ended up getting a concussion on that and it was a lingering concussion so yeah it's just like it's it just was bad vibes all around to start for jace
3: exactly exactly like i i remember watching that he got just blasted over the middle it, it was a hit that was that gets you on espn back in the early 2000s but it, it was a dirty hit for a training camp joint practice for sure, and there's a reason why Johnson didn't practice the next day, and he was kicked out by Bill O'Brien, one of the few things O'Brien did right during that last few years. But and it goes back to how important training camp is, especially for the, these rookies. We saw it in years past. Dayton Jones is having a great rookie camp, and he gets hurt. Jace was looking all right. He gets hurt. And Josh Jackson, two years, his second year, is looking good in camp, gets hurt. Like those types of things are huge for the development of these players and it really slows them down. And I wonder if losing a good portion of both training camps, if Sternberger, if he can have a full one this year, not having to deal with also COVID stuff and everything going on that went on last year, if he could really find his own. And I do think it he could get cut. I, I'd be very surprised. But he is definitely a name to keep an eye on for sure and, and I'm glad that Gage brought that name up when we were doing our, our pre our pre recording little chat. So let's jump into the people who we think should be cut from the roster. And again, we'll try and keep it as positive as you can for the most part, except for obviously Matt, you won't be with Dexter Williams.
4: I won't. I won't be with Dexter Williams. And I've honestly dudes, like I've said this time and time again. I said this with you guys when we were going through our draft previews. Uh, We were covering the running backs. I've gone through this before with Janelle and Dan. I might have gone through this before even uh, Dan was with Janelle and I. Like, Dexter Williams, to me, is a guy that was so freaking talented.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
4: Hunted, when he came under the team, I was like, this guy could be the dude. And all it took for me was one play in a preseason game where he tried to take a handoff with his over-the-top hand without – he basically tried to take it one-handed, a, a handoff. And I'm like, that is – that is. if you're trying to make a roster and you're not doing something that is like basic fundamentals of football, that that's concerning. And I've heard other stuff around town where he's just like not the most uh, diligent when it comes to the playbook and et cetera, et cetera, and it's really easy for me to get Dexter Williams off the roster, especially with Kylan Hill coming on, especially with Patrick Taylor possibly emerging. and I just don't know if there's any room for him in the running back room, regardless of his production or my lack of um, uh, enjoyment of seeing him take handoffs. So Dexter Williams for me is an easy cut, um, and I you know I wish him luck, but other than that, uh, he's got to go.
6: See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
5: Yeah, um, I. It's a lot more simple for me um, in regards to Dexter Williams. Colin Hill's there. You already have Aaron Jones, who you just resigned. You have AJ Dillon, who you drafted last year. Done. I, I. I don't need. I don't need to keep you around anymore. I can find special teams guys. I can find a fourth running back. There. I don't have a need for. A player when you haven't necessarily shown anything and I can get younger and cheaper at your position because I don't know what Dexter Williams is uh, his cap hit is $850,000 versus if I get Kylan Hill It's only going to be $660,000, and I can cut Dexter Williams for no dead cap. So I I can get cheaper at the position and um, better. I think Colin Hill is a talented player who, if he had played at a lot of other schools, would have been drafted a lot higher than the seventh round. And I think that Kylan Hill might have been the steal of Green Bay's entire draft class, if we're being 100% brutally honest, which is weird talking about a seventh-round pick, but I think he's a lot more talented than just a seventh-rounder.
3: Yeah, both of you guys are spot-on. And I, with Kylin Hill, Patrick Taylor, I, 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 I was big on Taylor last year. With, with When you look at how he was playing at Memphis and who he was around, and he was holding his own against those guys, I, I like both of them. And if it came four, I think it's those four. Another reason I think the writing was on, is on the wall with Dexter is his number was given away to Shamar Jean Charles, who isn't getting cut. So unless one of them changes, one of them's gone. And I think Dexter is the very fairly easy one. I mean, he he's there was guys even last year elevated over him for games or when he was on the practice squad, and it just it he just never seemed to put it together. Again, the talent's there, but. Maybe he'll get a, get a shot against somewhere else, but it's just it didn't work, it hasn't worked in Green Bay, and I don't think it's going to. And I, I think he I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to go and and I know m- we we may have a celebration with Matt when that happens, but we'll see from that. But
4: small yeah. small celebration, but yes, there will be one.
3: Gage will go to you on defense, and this one we're this is one of the ones that I think we might have a, a pretty fun debate with, and that's and it's Burks.
5: Yeah, um, Oren Burks and needing to be cut. Oren Burks, kind of like Josh Jackson, a guy that I really thought could be a really talented player for this defense. I really liked his fit as a as like the that modern combo safety linebacker hybrid type player, and just haven't seen it. I I don't know what it is. I just watching him play, he's never looked like a guy where I'm I'm thinking, yep, he needs to be on the field for Green Bay. He needs to make plays for you. You brought in Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes last year, who I thought Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes were fine. They're not great, but I thought they were fine. Um Ty Summers, who I know we talked about, is not necessarily the best tackler, but he can at least he's a Uber athlete. Isaiah McDuffie just brought in now. Um, I'm just I'm sitting here and I'm seeing a guy who has yet to give me a reason to say don't cut me. Um, he saves you nine, just just under a million dollars against cap if you cut him, um, and there's only so many roster spots available. It just comes down to when I like when I had to pick a guy who I think needs to be cut. There's only so many guys on this roster that I think flat out don't need to be there. Could I just and and I couldn't just pick a like an undrafted free agent who I obviously know is not going to be there. I can't I like I can't go and say like. Oh, Chris Blair is is not going to make the roster. That's my surprise. That's my needs to be cut. Duh. I mean, that's not that's not the whole point of us being here. So, trying to find a guy that I think has a legitimate chance to make the roster that I don't think should. It's kind of how I ended up with Oren Burks. I just think there's better options available at that position.
4: Like Oren Burks to me is just a similar to Jace, where he came in and started having these nagging injuries run away, and I thought he was. I thought he was overdrafted. I was in a huge I, – I didn't see a lot you know, of his games in college. But overall, I just didn't – I thought the body type was great. I just didn't see it ever translate to the field. Um, and it's similar to Josh Jackson. Like, the potential was there. And it just hasn't happened. And that might have been Mike Pettin's issue. Um, It might have been just schematic, whatever. But maybe his shaving grace is Joe Barry. Joe Barry, I think, does value those athletic linebackers. And potentially he'd make the roster. I just – like. Like Gage mentioned, with Kamal Martin coming and Chris Barnes, I like those guys. Isaiah McDuffie's drafted too, um, and I imagine Joe Barry had something to say about that. So, I just don't know if Aaron Burks has a spot on this team anymore. Special teams, potentially, but special teams guys are you know you can you can grab those guys. You know, sitting at your local Applebee's, like it's not that hard to find a guy that can go cover a kick. So realistically, I think Oren Burks is a is a safe pick to to not make the roster.
3: You you say it's easy to find special teams guys, yet the Packers special teams have been bad since the Clinton administration. That's true.
5: Hey, it's easy to find the guys, but it doesn't mean that Green Bay is good at doing it. Yeah,
4: yeah, what Gage said.
3: That's fair. Maybe they're just going during happy hour.
5: <laughs> the, the thing
3: that strikes me with Burks and maybe it's just my stubbornness I'm, I was very I was high on him when he got drafted after him being moved around over in Vanderbilt to every position on defense at different points including playing d- deep safety eventually getting the linebacker they started moving him around last year he played a, some outside backer as well so the, the versatility is something to keep an eye on I know he's regarded highly in the community highly in the locker room There, there's, there's some things that, that go in his favor and it's him, Summers, McDuffie seem kind of battling for maybe two spots. I'm not sure if they keep a fifth inside backer. To be, right, to be fair, I almost also said Chris Barnes almost could have been a surprise cut because we've seen linebackers in the past who who shine for one year and then kind of disappear. But I think Matt Lafleur really likes what he brings, so I think he's probably going to stay around. Burke would be an interesting one. If, if they don't value those fourth and fifth other edge guys, whether it's Spider Garvin or Ramsey or whoever, that could open up a, a, a wider spot for Burks to make it. And he, again, it goes back injuries year rookie camp. He was set to start, I think, his rookie year. He was looking really good in camp. He seemed to he was picking up the defense fast. There's talk about him wearing the green dot almost immediately, and then he tears his pack during warmups for a preseason game, and everything kind of craters from there. So, this again, like, like Semberger, this is a huge camp in Jackson, and if he can make some plays in, the, in those three preseason games, like say he beats up on Zach Wilson on the blitz a couple of times, that'll help him. But I, I definitely can see people being down on him and thinking he needs to go And then, and I definitely, I definitely see that viewpoint pretty strongly. For me, my needs to be cut is Kadar Holman, and it's nothing against the guy. I love the story when he got drafted. But he's an incredible... Testament to resilience and and making your achieving your dreams, but he got over he got jumped over by a lot of guys last year to to play special team snaps, and he he's already 26, kind of bounced around a little bit from from active to inactive, and another guy where they save money if if he is sent away if he is let go, they save 850 thousand dollars on the cap if he if he let go for a guy who was. Oftentimes inactive, as a late-round pick, as an older corner already in that in that cornerback room, I think he's the oldest guy in that cornerback room now with Kevin King. That's something that I I I don't see a spot for him. I, I don't see any way he makes the roster this year.
4: I totally agree. Um, and I'm basing this strictly on them drafting uh, Shamar Jean Charles because I got the same vibes from him as I do. Co- Kadar Holman, he's just a newer, upgraded version of him. Athletic, twitchy, can play in the slot, very athletic, fast as hell. And Shamar Gene Charles just has a nose for the football. And I think that's Joe Barry's guy, potentially, and I I don't see how Kadar Holman's there. I loved him. I thought he was a good project kid coming out of Toledo, but – it just really hasn't translated, like you said, Mike. His, his, his way in was on special teams, and he's been leapfrogged by a number of guys um, to be able to play on that, that special teams unit. So um, Kadar Holman, yeah, he's probably out the door.
5: So I went ahead and did a quick search because I was curious because you said you thought Kadar Holman is the uh, the veteran or like the oldest guy in the room. And Green Bay actually has a surprisingly kind of like a couple of older guys, curr- like just currently on the roster. Obviously, not all these guys are going to make it. Perry Nickerson, yeah. uh, will be, he'll be 27 in October. Kadar Hallman will be um, 27, I believe, in September. Um, let me let me double check that here. He'll be 27 in September. Kevin King just turned 26. He's a full year younger than Kadar Hallman is. Um, like. There's there's some older guys on this roster. Obviously, you have Jair Alexander, you have Eric Stokes, Josh Jackson. I'm pretty sure is still really young, despite being drafted back in 2018. Um, you have obviously Shamar Charles is now a rookie. So I think that Green Bay made a concerted effort to get younger at this position. And the Kadar Holman one, I all I saw throughout training camp was this guy. He can he can be a guy for us. He can do some good things, and then just. He was never on the field, and I'm like, what happened? And, like I think I thought Kadar Hallman was the classic. Everybody got excited for him because he made a, he had a cool story and he made made a couple of cool plays during training camp.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: But he was uh, training camp good. He was preseason good. He wasn't regular season good because I don't watch a ton of preseason. Uh, the only practice stuff I get, because I'm one of the only members of the Pack-A-Day podcast outside of uh, Wisconsin, apparently. Like, everybody, all of you guys are based in Wisconsin. It's ridiculous. Uh, so, the, so the stuff I get from practice is what everybody says. So when I see everyone last year, Reggie Bagleton, that was the guy last year. Everyone was talking him up constantly. Just, he's going to be so good. He's going to make all these plays. And then he just never made the field. Or, like, he barely made the field during the regular season, which I get it. He was at a loaded position. So... Hallman just wasn't getting on the field. So, yeah, I think it's just it's time to go. You can only keep so many corners. You, like, we, I think we can agree Alexander, King, Stokes, and Shamar, Gene Charles are the four locks, right? Like, can we agree that those four are the locks?
4: Yes, yeah, I can agree to that.
5: Okay. Then you have the other spots are between Jackson, Hallman, Nickerson, Chan and Sullivan, who we assume is going to be back as the nickel. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, uh, they, there's only so many spots available, and nothing against Hallman. I have younger guys that I can keep. True. Um, and I think we're actually going to talk about one of those younger guys here in just a second when we talk about uh, Matt's surprise to make the roster.
3: What a segue, Gage. What, what a segue. Well, let's hop right into it. Let's do our surprise guys to make the roster. And the biggest name, for sure, at least among Packer fans around, is Matt's pick and Golden Corner and. I think we all like Stanford Samuels.
4: I love Stanford Samuels, guys. And, like, this is going to be fun here because we're all going to really try to make the case. We're going to try to get political here and really convince people that our ideas are the best. So Stanford Samuels, to me is a guy that fits Joe Barry's stuff. He can play multiple positions. He could potentially be that star guy in a nickel because I don't think they have that dude yet. I just I don't see someone that can totally fit that spot that Joe Barry likes. Now, if we also base this off of our predictions that are you know gonna be completely accurate, I have Josh Jackson cut. We also had Kadar Holman cut. Um, and is there another secondary guy I was thinking of no that's it that that's the two we we said so like there's an opportunity there for Stanford Samuels the third to come in and potentially compete at the dime backer potentially nickelbacker spot, maybe play some special teams. you know I, I have a soft spot for him. I thought he was a dude that really really could have should have been drafted. I was blown away that he won undrafted um a lot of that had to do with his forty time. And the reason he wasn't drafted is just a slower forty. I want to say he was in like the mid four fives, which doesn't really get it done in this day and age across the entire NFL, especially in the secondary. Yeah, that's why I didn't get drafted either. I had a slow forty. Same, same, absolutely. I was I was weak on the bench too, so the combo of that was just was really really bad for me. But overall, I think Stanford Samuel is the third. He he has a chance. Um, I I really just want him to make the roster based off of just talent. What I saw out of him from Florida State. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure it, we're up in the air with to see what Joe Barry's gonna like, but I think he could potentially find a spot on this roster, and i'm I'm really hoping so. I think he's he's a unique talent, has a nose for the football. four six five forty with the 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 uh, our producer chiming in here, four six five that's that is extremely slow.
5: My man was blazing in the forty. <laughs> as, as
4: an offensive lineman, maybe like that's, as, that's
5: cool. as, as a corner, that's that's bad. Yeah, that's uh, that's not good. I don't know what per, off the top of my head. I don't know what percentile that is, but it's not it's not good. I can't remember what the uh, the there's. I know there's a baseline that you have to hit in order to be. That's the seventh percentile among corners. As as a corner, that is the seventh percentile. Um, as an among athletes, and among all athletes, it's a it's a 57th percentile, so it gets better, but that's exclusively because of like offensive linemen dragging that down. But yeah, offensive linemen, kickers, whatever. But yeah, I the Stanford Samuels thing that was another guy who last year, all like all during the preseason and during training camp. That that was the guy. Stanford Samuels was the next the next great one. Everyone's like, "This is the undrafted free agent gem. He's the guy that we're gonna. He can do things for us." And then just nothing, nothing happened. And I and I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna stop listening to you guys about who the the training camp sleepers are because you're always lying to me. You're always telling me it's gonna be somebody and then that person doesn't make any plays. And I'm like, Why do you lie to me? Why do you hurt me? I I think kind of just I I don't know. I don't know anything, but I don't know enough about the guy. I just know that. We already said there's only a couple of spots available at corner. And if you can go out and make plays, I guess, then more power to you. I like if he if he makes the roster, I'm gonna assume that he's that he deserves it because of some of the talented guys that he would be making it over. Like we already talked about Josh Jackson could be cut. Kadar Holman might not make it. Perry Nickerson's a is a veteran ish guy. There's a lot of guys that if Samuels makes the spot, he's making it over some other talented players at that spot.
4: And Perry Nickerson, too, fast as hell. Like, he's very, very fast. Um, and for Madden purposes, really need him on the roster. He adds a great dynamic to a Madden roster team.
3: You know, fair enough. I, and Sam is a guy who I think was really affected by them not having preseason last year. That Because he, he was pretty sticky throughout camp from everything I heard. And I think that really kind of caused some problems. I personally want to make the roster just to have a, a, a number 46 on there. It, because when I got my nephew his his birthday present, I got him a custom jersey. It was number 46 because his birthday's April 6th. So to have a 46 on there would be pretty cool. So I think that I think that he would end up getting a new favorite player for a six-year-old. So that'd be so. There's some selfish reasons there, but that, that sixth corner is gonna be very interesting. Even fifth, if you want to count Tenen Sullivan as a bubble guy, whether it's Jackson, Samuels, Kavaria Russell, Nickerson, Cabianento, who's another guy who was. Pretty highly regarded the last couple of camps. There's gonna be some serious competition for that corner spot, and I think Samuel's. I think he's got a pretty good shot. Especially when he was getting elevated late last year over guys like Josh Jackson and Holman in in that play in the playoff games. Those those guys were inactive, and Samuel's was getting those snaps with 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 Kavari Russell. So that's something to keep an eye on. My surprise roster make. I'm going back to the D line and another mountain of a human being, and that's Anthony Rush. Only 24, twenty four six four three sixty one. We talked on dra- draft our draft recap about T J. Slayton. Rush is a giant, and if they want to save some money, get rid of Lancaster. Rush could be a guy who makes it as a run another run stuffing guy, who's just gonna take up space and could be an absolute monster inside.
5: I was trying to look up his mock draftable chart, and Anthony Rush is not even in mock draftable. What the what are this dude's measurables like at a like at, what were his pre combine stuff like? I don't <laughs> know. I, I just hearing you talk about how big he is, and I'm like, I have to go see what this dude was athletically because that is a humongous human being. And we talked about Lancaster being a like being a surprise cut, and we talked about how you can find big guys everywhere. Anthony Rush is that's a that's a big big boy. He is mm-hmm. a well-fed young man because, and we talked. Who was the who was the uh, the Samoan player that we had who could do a backflip while well, standing? Who was like Three hundred oh. pounds.
3: Olivia Sagapolo, former Badger.
5: That guy. I'm like. I'm like. If we like. If we can just find these like just big athletic dudes that can just go around and just be a pain in the butt for everybody else, I'm all for it. And Anthony Rush uh, played at Alabama, so he's got the. So he's got the blue chip background of going to a high end school, and if it's he can stop the run, I'm Alabama all for him. it. Okay, okay. Well, see, it said Alabama. Right. it said Alabama when it, when if you if you search him, it said Alabama. That's so that's <laughs> my bad. But here's the thing: he's a big guy. If he can stop the run, I'm all for it. Come come help us out. I, that's the for, at the end of the day, that's all it comes down to for me because I we're gonna get pass rush from Kenny Clark from Rashawn Gary, Preston, Zadarius Smith, and we'll manufacture it from other guys, but if you can stop the run, that's all that matters to me, and I think between TJ Slayton and if you do cut Lancaster, and you bring in Anthony Rush as your other guy, at 360 pounds, he also gives you the ability to play the nose, and let Kenny Rush, instead of playing as a true nose, he could play as a
4: 3-4 end, which I'm... I'm very here for. Absolutely, I totally agree with that. Like you can, you can mix him and T.J. Slayton in. Kind of mix those guys in. Big body dudes. I, I'm here for Anthony Rush. And like we said earlier, like the the regime on the Kinsley Kiki, Montrevius Adams, Dean Lowry's, Tyler Lancaster's. Those those days are there. There's a lot. Fewer of them left than they that they've played, so let's uh, let's get some new new blood in there. And Anthony Rush is a guy that I would be completely okay with, whether or not he went to Alabama or UAB or you know whatever community college.
3: Well, he was a JUCO transfer, but he's a again six a six, six five at UAB. He had a pick six against Alabama A and M at six five three three sixty five or three forty wherever he played at there. He, he's a just a big, big, big dude. He also played wing T in high school. He played tight end in high school, 6'4", 280. <laughs> I also like, if you go to social media, his Twitter handle is can'tbeblocked. That's be
4: blocked. And it's That's un- strong. And he, he's got the number 79. Sign him
5: now. Sign, cut everybody else. Sign him now. I'm, I'm in. <clears throat> you don't need to tell me anything else about him. I'm in.
3: And number 79, Ryan Pickett. I mean,
5: yep. They, shut they, they're,
3: they're looking for another pickett. And and I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it again to save some money over a guy like Lancaster. So let's move let's move to our last guy and this one's gonna be okay. Gage, let's talk about the punter.
5: Okay, so everybody gets mad at J.K. Scott every single week. We all do it because he'll be he'll be good for one week. Like in uh, the season opener two years ago against the Bears, he was one of the three shining stars in that game. It, for those that don't remember, that, which you probably did because it was a terrible game, it was 10-3, Green Bay won. It was a brutal game throughout. But J.K. Scott was one of the one of the few bright spots for Green Bay in that entire game. And then you've completely forgotten about that because of everything else he's done since. He'll have two good punts and then blow it with one bad one where he kicks it 30, 20 yards. J.K. Scott's main issue has been consistency. That's That's been the problem. I get that he's had... I get that he's had coaching changes, I get that he's had this, he's had that. At a certain point, it's just it's not gonna happen. So Green Bay brings in Ryan Winslow, who Ryan Winslow is I don't know anything about him other than the fact that he's a punter and he's not J.K. Scott. He played at Pitt, he's twenty seven, so he's a little a little older. At the end of the day, just if you can be better and more consistent than J.K. Scott can, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be here. He's bounced around the Cardinals roster. He was on the the Memphis Express. of the. Or he was on the AAF rosters. He was an undrafted free agent for the Bears. Just if, at the end of the day, if you can be more consistent than J.K. Scott, even if you're only ever punching a maximum of 45 yards, I can deal with that because it's consistent. That's my issue with J.K. Scott. It doesn't have anything to do with his, like, leg. J.K.'s leg is very good. When he hits it well, he hits it really damn well. The problem is just the consistency. And Ryan Winslow, if you can bring any consistency, which he hasn't necessarily done to this point in his career. He's, been, he's got a total of six punts in his life. But it all comes down to consistency. And if you can bring that that J.K. hasn't been bringing, I'll take you. That's so. That's my whole thing here. I was looking through the roster trying to find a guy that I'm like, okay, who's not going to make it that could make it. And Winslow is a guy that I'm like, everybody would be sh- shocked if a punter change happens because how many times in the last decade has Green Bay brought in the guy during training camp at either kicker or punter or long snapper and actually beat out the incumbent? At kicker, obviously, it's never happened. At punter, I, has it happened that I
4: that you guys can remember? So they had that one goofball. He was a shorter dude. I think it was number 10. I don't – thank you. And, like, he was on the team. Like, he was – yeah, he was he was horrendous. Well, like, wasn't was, that the
5: guy that also didn't even make it through a full season?
4: I think so. Like, he was, he was bad, bad. And, like, J.K. Scott to me, dude, is like, okay, we – as much as we hate on J.K. Scott for his production – Him possibly just getting his temps last week, like he's still a dude that's going to be able to kick the snot out of the ball when necessary. It's the consistency thing, Gage, as you mentioned. And Ryan Winslow, like he's bounced around so many damn teams, like I don't know if he's that guy at all. He's going to be a good competition, dude, but he's got six punts like in his entire career. Like that's that's not doing it for me. And maybe it's because of just lack of opportunity or what, but, like, I just don't see Ryan Winslow as that guy. It's a good guy to come compete in. Same, similar um, stature as J.K. Scott, but to me, like, stick with J.K. Scott. I think he's a really, really good product. See what he can do in his fourth year here. I, it's It's a little frustrating because my expectations are very high for J.K. Scott, which is weird to have any expectation for a punter, but that was –
5: Hey, I'm the same way. I also had high expectations for him. So, like, I'm not—you're not alone in that aspect. I—I was—I was right with you in saying, look, this Green Bay's got a punter. We got a punter. We got a kicker. We're not finally not going to be liability in uh, special teams anymore. Right. Psych, Gage, you're an idiot. You don't know anything.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's some so fun stuff with J.K. Scott. You talk about he may have just got his temp. He's also married with a child. So he so he is definitely definitely the most mature definitely the most mature fourteen year old on the roster. But he was a top ten prospect in the state of Colorado at high school. Even as a punter. He was a, he, was, he was still a big dude, six foot six, but the big thing I think that helps him a ton and Hunter Bradley as well, was the production in the field goal game. He was a very good holder. He was exceptionally good at getting the ball down for Crosby, and he's a huge part of Crosby not missing last year. That's going to help him a ton. And and, and if, if Winslow can show that in camp, then let the games begin, and this will be a very fascinating preseason in camp again. But Crosby, he's going to end his contract as the most most suited-up Packer of all time. He's going to have some say again in his holder. And if Scott continues to do a really good job like that, and even if Bradley's snaps have been a little wayward at times, Scott's gotten them down. And Winslow's time we talked about a kicker not missing a field goal the entire season in Green Bay. And I think, I think that bodes well for Scott. But, again, if Winslow shows up and he's able to do that in camp, let the games begin.
5: Well, I think you guys are also leaving out one key factor So Winslow, his father, George Winslow, punted at the University of Wisconsin for two years. He was the batter's first scholarship punter. So, clearly, there is a tie-in for Winslow to end up making it on the roster. And no, I'm not grasping at straws here. I'm clearly just pointing out
4: accurate things, okay? Based off that data, I got to imagine you're the only person I know that actually has a Wikipedia login just to find that data. Because like, what, no, why no, is this
5: is actually from PackerCentral.com. Oh, com. Yeah, si. Com. This is the si, like the official Sports Illustrated Packer like link here. So, yeah, and just, just don't don't hate on Wikipedia. I'm not. We're, I am not. Okay, Wikipedia. We've it. all used it. We've all Absolutely. used it. I but, use it. I have it up right now. Yeah. So okay. Don't so use it for saying, college papers. Of course. I mean, it's more accurate than some sites. Anyway, do I think Ryan Winslow legitimately beats out J.K. Scott? I think that he could beat him out from a punter standpoint, but kind of like Mike said, if a, from a holder standpoint, if Mason says, no, J.K.'s the guy, it's not Winslow, J.K.'s the guy, then, yeah, sure, J.K. could still end up winning the, winning the spot. And like we said, J.K.'s the, – the, the highs are the highs are the reason we're so excited for him because when, he, when he's stroking it well – He's a really damn good punter. It's just everything in between is the problem.
3: For sure. So well, let's wrap things up. I know Matt's got some baseball to go coach. So, Matt, we'll start with you. Where can people find you?
4: Yeah, you can still find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F R A underscore. Um, putting out content with the uh, team over at Game On Wisconsin, obviously Pack a Day podcast every week with these boys, which has been a great new partnership. Sad to see Janelle and Dan go, but awesome to see Mike engage, accept me into their uh, fraternity, if you will. But overall, just I'm pretty jazzed for this off season now to get. We have the schedule figured out. Trying to get my hands on some tickets at some point. See how that goes. Anyone coming into the town, hit me up. Reach them the DMs. If you're coming into town for a Packer game, let me know. I'd love to buy you uh, your first beverage in Title Town. But other than that, man, it's it's gonna be a fun summer. Um, looking at some of these guys that came in. Now uh, we didn't even mention some of the tryouts I had yesterday, so that'll be interesting to keep tabs on. A lot of young got a lot of young blood out there on Friday. So I'm excited to see some of these young guys that could make an impact and I think there's a lot of opportunities for, for guys to get in the mix. But um other than that, Gage, where uh, what are you putting out right now, my man?
5: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at GBridgefordNFL. Uh, still working on content for Rotoballer, Dynasty Nerds, uh, Denver Stiff stuff with the playoffs, less than, like, just right around the corner now. Uh, still doing a lot of content for them. I'm going to be doing some work with uh, Super Draft, and I might have some uh, sign-up codes for people. Um, and that you, and you'll you be able to find those on my Twitter, so uh, stay tuned to that. Um not really doing a whole lot of Packers content right now other than the work here with a Day uh, with Mike and Matt, which is a um, highlight of my Saturday right now. Love getting to uh, wake up and talk some uh, football with these guys every week. Um, but other than that, my work's all there. I'll have, um, I think, three or four articles coming out between, the fir- between Monday through Thursday of next week just talking uh, fantasy football content there. But as always, on my Twitter is the easiest way to find all of it.
3: And for me, you can find me on Twitter, at Mike Wenlent. It's all one word. It's W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D-T. For my professional stuff, I'm on ZaleskiSports.com, doing a little bit of writing, a lot of broadcasting there. Re- recently been doing a lot of Nina Rocket Baseball and Softball, which has been a lot of fun. It's been great to see. Holy hell.
4: What around is Nina Rocket Baseball is kicking butt right now
3: so was our softball team the girl had 15 yep. strikeouts yesterday that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun but and, but I'll be doing a couple of games there next week you can find all my work there uh, and it's, it's other than that doing a lot of stuff here at the Packer Day podcast I'll be doing more packer stuff as we get closer to training camp in the season and again with everything starting to hopefully open up and life slowly acclimating back to normal hope to see you guys around if I'll be up in Green Bay a couple of times for practice and it'll be good to drink at Matt hopefully I'll see you there maybe a couple of times as well absolutely and also follow us wherever you can find your podcast on the platform give us a five star rating subscribe to us to let us know we love doing this every single day for you guys it's been a blast for the thousand plus episodes that we have been able to do we really looking forward to doing another thousand more as well. And also follow us on Twitter at the Packaday Podcast. So for Matt Frajlich and for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Weldon saying so long, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week for more content. You can stay tuned tomorrow for more great Packaday stuff from our from our top crew with Andy and, and company. And for all of us here from the Packaday Podcast, everyone, stay safe. Always carry the G and go pack go.